Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom and the things they've learned along the way. Lieutenant Commander Hugo Mitchell Heggs is a Marine Engineering Officer at the Royal Navy who served on Vanguard class submarines as a nuclear reactor supervisor. Now, if that's not a decent enough CV item, Hugo was also part of a team of four Royal Navy submariners who completed the world's toughest row, that's 3,000 miles across 37 days. Hugo's team consisted of a group of very special individuals crossing the Atlantic, raising an incredible amount for charity along the way. Uh, Not least with some scary as well as some special moments, which I'm sure we're going to go on to coax out of him. Hugo, uh, never met before, heard loads about you, an incredible CV. And I know that there are a number of other titles and accolades which we need to talk about, and I, and I wouldn't have done them justice in the, in the introduction. So I'm going to ask you now to share a few words, uh, a little bit about yourself and some of the other titles and achievements to your name, because they are pretty impressive. That's very kind of you, Sandra, and thank you for having me. Um, it, it's, uh, yeah, I've been in the Navy for 11 years now. Um, I joined as a graduate, um, so straight after university, I studied mechanical engineering, uh, with French, I've got a bit of a, a spicy, exotic, um, continental background. I was born and grew up in France for half of my life, so there's a bit of a an international element there. Um, and um, you know, a, a mixed up bringing both both in, over there and a little bit in the southwest of England. Um, and ha- had no idea what I wanted to do with my career. Um, it was a bit of uh, it was an appeal to the armed forces. Um, and I think combined with suddenly getting interested in engineering, um, in, in my early twenties, the Navy came calling. Um, and it's just, those, it was just one of those weird ones. I never thought that I'd end up on submarines. Um, but, um, but here we are 11 years on, um, I've spent half my career deploying underwater in some of the most extreme, um, environments on the planet. Um, but actually, one of the elements that really drew my attention over the last, well, the, particularly the second half of my career, was actually just how challenging it can be to be apart from you know, from families, to be out for extended periods of time, to see that, you know, actually, even though we go through quite significant uh, military training, that we've all got um, we've all got a certain mental fitness and capacity, and people do struggle. So, um, over the last few years, I've really, uh, really embraced. Uh, um, you know the concept of mental fitness and how we how we can enhance and and uh, and improve our own mental health and manage our own mental health. Um, so that's that's uh, an avenue that's led to my my day job now. I'm the running the human performance program for the submarine service and an inaugural um, project, inaugural team. It's it's all very exciting. Looking at how we can um, you know support, uh, enhance, uh, augment. Um, our people so that they can be the best versions of themselves. Two massive subjects that you've just raised there, and, and they're two topics, Hugo, that our listeners from around the world absolutely love, latch onto 
email us on a regular basis about. So I would like to kind of touch on those if we can during our chat today, mental fitness uh, and human performance. And I know that, you know, you come with great skill in both those areas, which we'll explore. Um, I did mention during the introduction that you somehow, for whatever reason, I'm sure you'll come up with, with the reason why, you decided to row 3,000 miles in 37 days. If my maths is right, it's about 80, 81 miles a day, something like that, which is, which is no mean feat, particularly if the wind and tide are against you. Uh, the, the obvious question is, why on earth would you want to do something like that? Um, and I think the, the bigger question is, you know, what, what was the motivation? What was the thinking behind your, your um, it, just an incredible, mind-blowing feat with, with, your, with your colleagues? It, it's um, actually one of the most powerful moments in my in my professional life. Actually, was, uh, I I grew up playing rugby. Um, I played I played. I was lucky enough to play rugby at a relatively decent level. I went through an, uh, an academy system. I played abroad in a, at a professional club and played for the navy. Um, you know, against the army at Twickenham, the big eighty thousand people singing the anthem in front of you know all your friends and family. All wonderful stuff. Um, and I always had this identity of being a rugby player, being a Royal Navy Submariner. Uh, and one day, just by accident, um, I was playing a bit of touch rugby. Uh, of all the of all the moments that it would happen, and I tripped over someone's foot, um, completely accidental. Tried to tuck roll, landed on my neck, um, and all it took was you know 17 stone of me landing on a funny part of my neck to suddenly um, have a, a neck injury that not only stopped me from being able to play rugby ever again. But um, uh, in that moment, had me medically downgraded, so I wasn't allowed to be deployed on the submarine anymore, not be allowed to be on that submarine crew anymore. So I had a, a bit of a double whammy of identity loss um, in one day. It all happened in like one snap of the, the finger, uh, and um, and it was during my recovery pathway where I was trying to, you know, work out where uh, what was next for me. Um, you know, from a sporting perspective, I've always been one for process and. Um, and you know, having having a, a bit of a plan to follow, um, having a bit of discipline, um, and so out of nowhere, it was actually through a friend I found out that people rode across oceans. I hadn't even heard of it as a thing, uh, <laughs> and um, just uh, it was in that moment that I knew that I needed to find out more about it, and just sort of jumped straight in at the deep end. Um, found another another uh, another guy who who I thought might be interested in it, another submariner. We thought we wanted to build this campaign. We called it HMS Audacious, you know, named after one of the submarines, but through a, a, an obvious pun, uh, because what, what's the point in having these uh, these these opportunities without throwing a, a pun on it? Um, and two years later, um, after spending two years, you know, building a media campaign, a comms campaign, trying to get sponsors. I mean, we had to, actually the hardest part was trying to get, 140,000 pounds of sponsorship together we had to learn we had to learn all sorts of dark arts of social media and networking that we'd never engineer submariners never even thought were you know were part of the game but it was that was actually a massive part of our, the lessons that have led to where we are now was um, learning those hard lessons and actually getting so much support from our community to help make it happen um, but yeah it was just freak coincidence uh, it wasn't a case of let's just row the ocean it was let's build the biggest campaign we've ever even thought of doing in our lives and and, and see where it takes us
That's amazing. I, I wasn't I wasn't thinking that I was going to be talking to you today about commercial begging on social media. Um, but I was I was going to talk to you about the more important stuff like mental fitness and human performance. But um, nevertheless, you know, one hundred and forty thousand pounds in anyone's money of anyone's money is is no mean feat, especially in two years. And then to prepare yourself and actually execute as you did um, an astonishing human achievement. I, I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't need to go into detail about how awesome that is and, and how in awe of you, all of us listening to this podcast are. But um, what what was the motivation behind it? Was it just something as simple as I needed to pick myself up from adversity? Because I guess my next question is, in that moment when you had the rugby accident and you were downgraded medically and you realised you couldn't perform at the highest level anymore, you had to kind of reinvent yourself, if that's the right word to use. How do how did Hugo pick himself up? Um, because the easiest thing in the world is to kind of pull the metaphorical duvet over your head and just go, that's it, I'm done. Or I'm going to feel sorry for myself for the rest of my life. But you kind of did the opposite. Does that take a special kind of person? Or is it within the capabilities? And this links to the mental fitness and human performance thing. Is it within any, in anybody's remit to be able to do that, to pick yourself up? And if so, how do you do it? I think I think so. Um, I think anyone can do. Uh, I've de- definitely seen the most ama- most amazing part of these campaigns is just how regular people are. We're all just normal people. I was just a broken, just, you know, kind of past it rugby player, Samariner, and it, you know, and it's 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 you get to meet these incredible people who've come from all all ranges of background. I think anyone can do do these amazing things. It's it's there's uh, you know you're going to hear the it's such a cliche thing, isn't it, that anyone can achieve anything? With it, it, it is down to discipline and uh, and and learning. I think one of the the biggest parts is just learning and and being open to um, to you know picking new ideas up as you go and open to to you know to completely new concepts. I think that was probably the biggest lesson for us was just doing things a bit differently. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 definitely. Um, where am I going with this? Well, let me let me ask let me ask you another question uh, that links links nicely to that. So you've you've gathered together the money you need. Uh, there you are, sit, sitting in your boat, going right off. You know, off we go, guys. A few high fives, feeling good about yourselves. And then you know, a thousand miles out, choppy waters, all feeling a bit sick, hurting. Uh, you know, not fueled up properly, and, and the kind of the little voice on your shoulder says, time to give up, Hugo. You know, I think we should turn ourselves around or, or bail. How did you deal with the mental and physical challenges that you faced on that journey? The mental, the mental fit elements of the row itself were, uh, were enormous because you're adding the, the bit that you can't, you can't change. I mean, you can do so much beforehand to prepare. You can do so much psychological fitness beforehand. You know, you can, when we did, we worked with psychologists. We did some amazing um, work on coping strategies. Actually, that was probably one of the most uh, useful parts. Uh, and something that's really leading to what we're looking at now is, is mental fitness, how we can, how you can prepare the brain and how you can prepare the mind and yourself to, for the, these, these, these scenarios. But the thing that you just can't, uh, you can't factor in when you're preparing to that same level is the sleep deprivation. You know, sleep is, sleep is, you know, I love the expression. It's the Trojan horse of all mental health problems. Um, it, it's, and you're, you're in an environment where if you're lucky, you're getting three hours sleep a day and kind of hour, hour, hour and 15 minute bursts here and there, you know, the circadian rhythm, even though you're exhausted is 
very present. So you're knackered and even in your two hours off during the day, you can't sleep because it's 35 degrees in the cabin. The sun is blaring and you just can't switch your mind off. Um, and you're still endorphined up, um, you know, to the, to the absolute maximum because you're, you're rowing 12 hours a day. Um, and then if you can, you'll switch off overnight. You'll get, you know, those three hours and those are just enough to function cognitively in that environment. Um, but you, the coping strategies do kick in. It's finding ways to, you know, when you are feeling overwhelmed with something, you know, dipping into your breathing exercises or checking in with your crewmates. I think the team elements, a massive one is, is reaching out to your team and chances are if you're going through hell, they are too. Uh, it might be at a different time, but that's, that's that whole, you know, again, that problem shared as a problem halved, um, you know, um, easy saying it's, it was absolutely like that. And I think having people around you who are, who, who can empathize, um, and that was something that we tried to drill into our culture was vulnerability. You know, you've got four, six foot five, you know, alpha males, um, being able to peel back those layers and being vulnerable, uh, is a really special part of, of, of team building and, um, and getting through something really, really hard psychologically. And that's actually something that, you know, when we looked at the pandemic a year ago, 18 months ago and people were stuck at home um it was something that one of the lessons we were definitely trying to impart was was vulnerability and, you know um and reaching out to people and and also showing that it's okay not to be okay that that again another coined phrase that you we've all heard on every every mental health billboard and poster that we see yeah you are you know physically imposing 17 stone six foot three uh, so physically pretty well equipped for the for the journey. But what I, I've, I've read when we were doing our research, uh, I read about flying fish and other kinds of challenges that you faced along the way. What what were were there any really like hairy moments? Were, well, tell us, first of all, about the flying fish. Where, where do they come from? But were there any like moments where you were like, that's it, I'm done? Um, no, we were too. It was too. It was too much. Whilst it was hard and miserable. It was, you know, we, we knew it was going to be hard and miserable at times. And it was, um, and that was, you know, part of that whole, um, it, it, nothing, no surprises came to us, really. Um, a few surprises physically where we discovered bits of our bodies that started hurting and falling apart that we didn't know existed. And stuff that form on your skin um, that, oh, I mean like I would show you photos, but you, you, you'd wince, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not for the faint hearted. Some of the, some of the skin bits and some of the areas of our body, I don't dare, are probably not PG 12. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it, it, it really was um, an evolving landscape and, you know, there was amazing wildlife across the way and you know, whales and dolphins and sea turtles and all that stuff. But no one had warned us about flying fish uh, and actually reading about it after they're, they, so they dive out of the water. They're about, you know, the size of a subway sandwich, you know, kind of anywhere between kind of two and 12 inches. And they jump out of the water with their little wings up. And if a gust of wind catches them, they'll fly. Now, that's all fine when it's not really windy. But when you've got 30, 40 mile an hour winds, they jump out of the water and then they suddenly become missiles. And they fly across the skyline like bullets or, you know, just whistling past you. And they'll hit you 
in the chest, in the face, in the, and it's not abnormal to be concussed by these things. It's it's quite common in the kind of maritime world to be concussed by flying fish. So it was, you know, and if you heard a thud against the cabin, the cabin at nighttime, you know, it was either a wave or a flying fish that decided to, um, you know, kamikaze itself at us. So yeah, that was definitely an interesting life lesson, especially when it's pitch black in the middle of the night and you hear, you feel one of them flapping around between your legs, and you're just trying to get on with your, with your, you know, with your shift, trying to switch off. Um, it keeps you awake though. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say, if, if 3,000 miles across 37 days, uh, it is, is, takes four strapping lads to the extremes of their capability for one, for one to be knocked out by a fish along the way, must make it, must make it more difficult. It, it, it was, you know, it was, it was, um, it wasn't constant. It was a welcome sighting at first and then it was a bit tedious um in terms of the moments that um that probably defined us you know we were racing you know it was an adventure race in in some ways you know there were other teams out there actually psychologically the hardest bit wasn't um you know we did capsize um 40 foot waves um and massive winds and we had a capsize at night time and i remember being in the cabin um fast asleep enjoying my very small amount of sleep that i got um, and I was flipped upside down and water came in through the air vents and I got to experience the human washing machine experience of, of, uh, uh, but it actually, it happened so quickly and the guys on deck were fantastic. And one of them got spat out into the sea, but was tethered to the boat. And there was that beautiful moment where, you know, the, actually the most junior youngest member of the team, you know, got the guy out of the sea and got the boat safe and back on course. And that was a, that was actually more of an exciting, exhilarating moment of overcoming adversity for us. That was, that was brilliant. The bits that were, that really took digging deep were suddenly you've, you've hit a headwind. You're not moving. All the teams, all the other teams are moving fast. You know, your, your, your team manager is, is sending satellite phone updates to you and going, guys, you're not moving. Why aren't you moving? Um, that was quite hard knowing that you worked so hard for, weeks and weeks and weeks, two hours on, two hours off, all day, every day, and suddenly to be going nowhere, um, took a bit of soul searching and, and, and getting around each other and not, not being short-tempered because things aren't going our way and trying to resolve it that way. I think that was, uh, that was definitely the life lesson that we took away was being a bit more patient with each other and then coming up with a strategy or, a, or, a, or how are we going to get out of this? We're not going to win this race anymore. Um, so what's our... What 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 are our goals now? How do we redefine what we want to achieve? Um, and actually, we a few days of that miserable weather, and suddenly we found ourselves um, changing our course, trying to be the most southern team in the race, and and suddenly we were the fastest team for a few days. You know, it was uh, it was, and we we overtook I think about eight teams over the space of four days. It was it was. It, there's always a way around it, but you've just got to find yourself not finding too much despair in those when it's not quite going your way and your strategy hasn't worked. I think you're the first person I've ever heard describe a capsize as brilliant. <laughs> it could, only you could come out with something like that. What, what did you, Hugo, what did you learn about yourself as a human being during that process? And I'm, I'm going to also touch on another word you used just now, which is the word team. Um, I, I know this is a, a fairly obvious um, uh, question and somewhat rhetorical but how important was the team what makes a great team and what did you discover as 
part of the process of being one of the team? Um, I suppose, uh, question one, I learned that the human body is capable of so much more than we think it is. We are all, you know, we are all wired and, and programmed and, you know, weight and height aside, anyone can do, anyone is, can, can overcome some incredible physical and psychological um, challenges or, you know, we are so much more capable than we think we are. Um, and I think I, that, that's definitely something I learned about myself was, was uh, I can do, I can do things that I didn't know I could do. Um, and that actually hurting my neck isn't the end. It's not, it's, it doesn't matter. It, there's other things that my body can, can do and that I can achieve. Um, the team bit, I don't think I would have, I mean, people do do these challenges solo. I think for me, it was, it made the experience so much more special. Actually, some of the best memories out there were the, those weird moments shared the deep and meaningful conversations that are so far fetched at three o'clock in the morning that mean nothing. Um, that will be forgotten. They'll be, they'll only have been witnessed by a breeze on the Atlantic. Um, you know, the, the, the weird and wonderful, the, the, the stupid things, the, the, it, it, it some quite, um, powerful moments that you, you're not sure you witnessed it for real, but having someone else there to see it with you made it, made it real. Like seeing a rainbow at nighttime. We'd never, I've never seen a rainbow at nighttime in my life. Um, but we had so much rain. The moon was so bright that the two combined and suddenly you've got a full sky rainbow at nighttime, middle of the night, just completely, Am I hallucinating this or is it real? And I, we might have all been hallucinating it. There might have been all four, four but you know, <laughs> it, it, it's one of those ones that um, made the experience so special was being able to, to kind of knowing you were all suffering through the same things, but that you could enjoy the beautiful things together was, was what made the team experience so special. Mm. We, we've, we've obviously we've touched a little bit on human performance and, and how far we can take ourselves. I want to, talk a little bit about mental fitness if that's okay just because we get an awful lot of questions from listeners around the world Hugo who talk about mental health you know some of the challenges that we face you know particularly in the uh, in the current climate with all the challenges that that brings um and I know it's a subject that you feel really strongly and passionately about um tell us about the role that you now have on on that particular subject and uh, and why you do what you do um Thank you. No, uh, it it um, it all kind of started out, particularly at this at the start of the pandemic. We had um, uh, we had a uh, uh, um, you know the obvious concerns that we all shared across the various communities around how we're going to regulate and look after ourselves in in a really evolving um, you know um, lockdown and and hybrid working and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and we, we, you know, we come into a bit of money with the charity fundraising that we'd done from the row. Um, I started working with um, various third sector organisations and uh, uh, quite a few mental health and psychologist pr professionals uh, and kind of bringing that all together. Um, and actually, I, th I suppose the element that I that uh, that's led me to now is um, uh, probably come from the world of sports where we look at optimizing athletes through psychological and physical uh, means. Um, so why can't we all do it? Why does it have to be reserved to athletes? So I think we're looking at an approach where we 
you know, it, it, it's about providing people the tools that they need to manage their own mental fitness and be proactive about it and understand it um, as much as they do their physical uh, their physical well-being. You know, if we can understand our bodies and what performance looks like for everyone, you know, for for a, uh, a Team GB Olympic rower, performance looks very different to that of a um, someone who sits at a computer 14 hours a day. Um, but you're still performing, whether you're at a computer or, or trying to win a 2,000 meter uh, sprint down Henley. It's 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 uh, it's um, it's that kind of element that we're trying to to approach it with. Um, so trying to trying to dissect what that means from a submarine service perspective is my what I do now. Um, how we how we try and bring that uh, in with leadership. You know, there's no point upskilling people if the leadership model doesn't buy into it. You know, it's it's such a common thing. What's the point in providing mental fitness tools if toxic bullying is still normal? Uh, not saying that that's what we've got, but it's 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 that concept. You need to have a a top-down, bottom-up buy-in to what you're trying to achieve. Um, so that's kind of part of what we're doing as well, uh, what we're looking at. Um, so it's really, it's a really exciting, dynamic, and um, um, kind of transitionary period that we're going through at the moment, trying to trying to bring that into to our people. Because you know, whether it's rowing an ocean or deploying for however many months on a submarine, it's it's all it all needs. People need the tools to to be the best versions of themselves. Um, it must be uh, listening to talk about submarines. I mean, there must be a huge degree of vulnerability that, and some challenges that people face mentally when, you know, there you are together with, okay, um, your, your shipmates, but you are nevertheless sealed in this metal tube that somebody's immersed in rather a lot of water uh, and you're down there for a long time. I mean, that must present a whole bunch of challenges for, for yourself and many of your colleagues. It's, it's usually not the... Um... It's not the the obvious elements of being on a submarine that challenge us. Um, uh, uh, the, contrary to what most of the public would think, people often think, "Oh, submarine confined, claustrophobic, all that kind of stuff." But we're so acclimatized to the, that environment; it's actually not the environment that's usually the challenge. It's the it's the uncertainty of when you're going to be home, when you're going to be, how much time off you're going to have, how much, uh, you know, when you're going to, are you going to be home for Christmas? Are you, is the, de is the deployment or patrol going to be extended? Um, what, those are the elements that, that, you know, part, part of what, what makes struggle, um, you know, actually we live in a, an environment that's very repetitive. Um, and it's very easy to get lost in the, in you know, times a weird construct. You know, we have, we have we if there's things we enjoy time flies if we're if we're if we're bored you know we we all have those days that absolutely drag on um, so it's trying to find um, coping mechanisms to deal with 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 things like that because um, you know as as a, as as crews we're actually we're quite quite good at splitting the the what is actually a very monotonous mundane um, repetitive way of living and trying to break it up into a, a you know a, um, what we call a battle rhythm, you know, no days exactly the same. We still have fish and chips on a Friday, curries on a Wednesday, steak night on a Saturday, and pizza on a Sunday. And that suddenly creates a, a week, uh, you know, that is where days are different and you can look forward to a certain day and suddenly a week has passed. And it's those small little milestones, no different actually to rowing an ocean. You never think, oh my God, I've got 37 days left to go. You break it down into those, uh, those small 
bite-sized chunks of just getting through the next few shifts, getting through today, um, getting through the night without capsizing. Uh, uh, and, and, and before you know it, 37 days have passed and you're, you're, you're back with your family. And that's what people look forward to. Um, so that's, that's a great, a great tip for, for life and business. I would suggest what, what's next then for the rather, rather crazy Hugo who rose the Atlantic on a whim just because he hurt his neck at rugby is, uh, are we talking about Pacific? Are you, you know, jetting off to the moon anytime soon? What, what's next? You must, you must be thinking about setting yourself something else. You can't, you can't be resting on your laurels. You don't strike me as the kind of person who could do that. Why reinvent the wheel? Um, and this is going to be a really boring answer. I'm rowing the Atlantic again this year. Um, uh, so in December 2022, so in 11 months' time, um, another another one of the guys from the crew I rowed within 2019, and I uh, and a new crew are rowing the Atlantic. We've actually our campaign HMS Audacious has now expanded into uh, uh, almost um, an ocean rowing club in the Navy. We've got 20, 30 members, we're running grassroots, um, you know, expeditions with people who've never been out on the water in their lives and getting them out to, you know, spend two, three days, two, three, four days at a time out in the west of Scotland and seeing seeing the water from a very different perspective. You know, usually, mostly Samariners. Um, uh, we're still trying to fundraise for charity. Uh, and actually, we want to be the first ever almost ocean rowing team that row the Atlantic every year. It won't be me every year, but I'm certainly going to have a crack at the next one. Uh, so that's, yeah, thank you. That's amazing. Uh, well, we're all behind you, as we hope the wind will be, and the fish, and the fish. Um, lo loads of things that you said today, Hugo, you know, I, I kind of can't help but think, you know, that, that correlation between success in sport, success in life, success in business. A lot of what you've covered today, you know, I can see obvious links to all those three different areas. Would you say that's generally true? Would you say there are um, some, some fairly obvious links between achieving success pretty much in any uh, you know, business or sport or life in general? Would you say there are some general rules that, that tend to guide our success in those different areas? Absolutely. And I, and, and I think you asked me earlier, um, you know, did, was it that that, you know, was it um, the neck thing that made me want to do it and and um, or, or, or overcome it? Actually, I think it's so holistic. I think it, it, it doesn't have to just be one thing. It can be a whole range of things that just keep on giving. And before you know it, you know, the, the things that define what you're trying to achieve um you know, you, you, it, it, it's more than just um, the sense of achieving it. It's the it's the process. It's the people you you meet along the way. It's the relationships you form. It's the 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 do good, the charity side of things. And actually, that's that's I think the success for me. It's not just a, it's not an easy measurable outcome. I think it's understanding that it, it can come in ways that you ne don't necessarily expect them to to to, to form themselves. Um, so I definitely think that these campaigns have a weird way of, of giving back. And sometimes you don't necessarily know what success, it's not always easy to measure what success looks like in, in these cases. There's the obvious ones, you know, how much money you've raised for charity and how much you've, uh, how, you know, achieving the, the row. But actually there's the less, in, the intangibles that I think are really special. Mm. Um, a couple of final questions, if we may, love to continue this conversation which we may do offline another day 
Um, first of all, how do people find out more about HMS Audacious, the work you're doing? Is there a website? Are you on social media? Because, you know, we'd like as many people as possible to get behind this. Yes, please. So we've got a website, www.hmsaudacious.com. So that's HMS and O-A-R-D-A-C-I-O-U-S.com. Um, if you look for HMS Audacious on social media, we're on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Facebook, YouTube, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Instagram. Um, uh, so do give us a follow. Um, we're, we're always looking to share our adventures, whether it's with coming and doing a talk at people's schools or going to universities or working with companies and doing some you know, leadership and, and, um, and mental fitness and health and wellbeing stuff. Um, we're, we're all up for collaboration and, and giving back. So yeah, do please get in touch. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, we'll, we'll have a separate conversation offline about a few things we can do to help you there. Hugo, uh, final question is the question we ask all of our guests and, uh, you did a bit of cramming secretly, I think just before you came onto the podcast, listen to a few other guests. So you probably know what's coming. Uh, and the question is a very simple one, really. Uh, a younger version of yourself approaches you one day and says, I'd love you to give me just one rule to live my life by. The thing that I can focus on uh, above all others. There will be lots of rules to achieve success by. But if there was one and one only for you, Hugo, what would it be? Uh, okay, so um, I don't want to sound cliche here, but I, I think authenticity is um is really special um you know i think that's how how we how we carry ourselves how we how we demonstrate virtue um through authenticity is is um is the thing i would share with with a younger version of myself um don't pretend don't try and pretend to be something you're not um you can definitely change who you want to be you can you can grow you can build you can learn but i think being authentic along the way people read into that i think that's got a that, that that's a very special part of forging relationships with people um back to that vulnerability bit that we we mentioned earlier of of um you know not you know, not having to put a, a wall up and 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 be alpha and 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 pretend to be something else it's it, it all comes back to that authentic nature of things uh, and people read that it, it develops trust it develops very special relationships um so that that's that's the 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 buzzword I've got for you, Sanjay. Well, well, I don't think that's a cliched answer at all. I think that's a fantastic answer, actually, because I think it's all too easy in life, sport, business, wherever you come from, to lose sight of um, of, of some of the basics, and and that's clearly one of the fundamentals um, for anyone who's achieved outstanding success as you have. So, um, unfortunately, I wish I could go on talking, but we can't because otherwise people will string me up for for keeping them on their commute longer than half an hour. But um, Hugo Mitchell Heggs, thank you so much for joining us on the Sandra 40 podcast. It's been fantastic talking to you. It's, a, it's been a bit of a giggle, um, but really loads, loads of insightful information. That I know lots of people from around the world will be taking away from this. And I'm sure uh, I know, as a matter of fact, that people will be connecting with you and they will be fully behind what you're looking to do. So long may you continue to do it. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I can only endorse what Hugo's just said. Uh, Hugo Mitchell Hex, what an absolutely fantastic uh, human being. Uh, all the things he's doing, not just for himself and for charity, but all the things he's doing for his colleagues uh, and, and hopefully for all of you listening from 
48 different countries of the world. Remember, every week we've got a new Hugo joining us to share their own insights into achieving success or overcoming life challenges. Please make sure you subscribe, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, you know, the way it works, all the social media channels, and tell your friends and family about this as well. Leave uh, iTunes reviews if you could. Questions are at hello at sandrospodcast.com. And don't forget to connect with me. It's at Sandro14 Twitter and the real Sandro14 Instagram. Thank you once again to Hugo, fantastic guest. And to all of you, whatever you're doing, I hope you have a great rest of the day, a good week, and we will see you this time next week.